Okay, so I think I, I think I was able to get everything to work properly this time. Um, so we'll start. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Takshurim Vitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Sarva Narautamam Devim Sarasvati Vyasam Tato Jayami Viraya Anchakalpa Tarubhyascha Tipa Sindhu Devacha Patitanam Padanevyo Vaishnavevyo Okay, hello, hello everybody. Um, welcome. So here we're uh, continuing our discussion of the second chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Divinity and Divine Service. Um, the, the previous sections, very quickly, uh, the chapter began with the um, Sutta Goswami offering his respects to his audience and offering respects to his guru. Um, and he went on to answer the questions of the sages from the previous chapter, chapter one, where they, where they asked a series of six questions. Um, and uh, the, the, so he answered the, the questions of the sages, primarily, um, this was in the last section that we did, was the definition of pure bhakti um, and an emphasis also on, on what it was not. So he, he gave the Srimad Bhagavatam's definition of pure bhakti and then in some subsequent verses, he um, clarified uh, and distinguished what pure bhakti was in relation to karma, and in terms of arnasham dharma, in terms of gyan and vairagya. Um, so those are the verses that we went through last class. Um, and it ended with this uh, very nice verse. We ended on verse 14, I think. Tasmad eka tasmad ekana manasa bhagavan sattvatam pati shrota vyakyatita vyascha dhyaya pujas chanikyada. Therefore, the devotee should constantly hear about, glorify, remember, and worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is their protector. Pati, uh, the word is used. So basically, it ended here by saying, take shelter of Krishna, take protection of Krishna, take, find your protection in, in Krishna, and then uh, hear, chant, and remember about him. And Mitra made a, a nice a comment just about when Srila Prabhupada gave that verse to the devotees when they had, when they were installing the Jagannath uh, deity in, in San Francisco. And he said, you're hearing and chanting and remembering and now puja, so now you'll do puja. So it's interesting, you know, this, um, this uh, sequence is, is often, often given um, it's usually in this order that first one should hear the knowledge um, and then one should repeat it. So one should first hear and then chant because um, by, by hearing it and then repeating it, it solidifies it in your mind. Like uh, for me right now, giving this class, for example, um, having he heard and listened to Guru Maharaj and then having to repeat it is, is quite an effort and it causes it uh, you know, that you have to kind of be a little bit more clear than perhaps if you just you were just listening. So this repeating of it, this chanting solidifies it in the mind. And then remembrance, uh, you know, can come kind of as the fruit of those two things of hearing and chanting. And um, this is this remembrance is what's glorified here um, in the next verse that we're about to read, verse 15. Um, and in many, many ways, uh, remembrance of Krishna is, is really a, a goal because it it um, 
remembrance awakens love and 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 then you know naturally one one will will remember what one loves there's um a famous verse that says uh, sometimes we can get bogged down in all the rules and expectations and and what seem like restrictions and whatnot of devotional life but um, there's a verse smarta satram bishmo right that all the rules and regulations that we come come in contact with come in, con uh, in contact with the, the basic there are only two of them that one should always remember Krishna and one should never forget forget Krishna so that this uh, remembrance of Krishna is, is is very very central and here we'll start here with text 15 um, where we see uh, this is this is pointed out so yad anutyasina yukta karma granti nubandanam chidyanti kovidas tasya Translation from Srila Prabhupada. Actually, I should have Vishnu's uh, translation here too because sometimes they're a little bit different. Um, so Prabhupada says, with sword in hand, intelligent men cut through the labyrinthine knots of reactionary work or karma by remembering the Lord. Therefore, who will not pay attention to his message? And Vishnu says the same thing with just a little bit different language he says who will not develop attraction for topics of the lord remembrance of whom like a sword cuts through the knots of karma so uh it's it's again it's it's emphasizing this this just the remembrance of lord krishna um will cut through uh the the knot and tangle of karma so this is a, a very very um powerful statements and it's nice because you know the topics um, of Krishna and the stories about Krishna and what one remembers about Krishna either his name or his form or or you know his pastimes his associates they're so sweet um, and charming and easily to you know they're easy to think of they're easy to talk about and become absorbed in because we can relate to them um, you know they they have a human-like quality to them um, and just that they're they're very beautiful and charming. The setting of Vrindavan, um, the description of the the beauty of the gopis, the beauty of, of Krishna's form, the cows—all these things are very very easy to become absorbed in. Um, and what this verse is saying here is that they have the power to dis destroy karma. When we we look into it a little bit more carefully in our Acharya's books, we see that this means even parabdha karma, and and that's a um, a, a very powerful statement because Prabhupada karma is the karma that's manifest right now. It's the karma that you know has me in the body of a, 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 a white man or my parents being who they are, etc. And most other paths also deal with the eradication of karma, but they don't um, eradicate this, this Prabhupada karma. Um, so it's, 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 it's very fascinating. And, and these knots of karma, what do they call it here? Karma granti nirbandhanam. So the karma granta nirbandhanam. So these knots of karma, they're so complicated. Uh, we know that karma is an adi. It's been going on so forever. So <laughs> tying a knot over and over and over forget forever means you end up with a big tangled mass. Now that's what uh, guna means. In other words, for, for guna, we, we understand it as the modes of material nature, but the modes of material nature are also referred to as ropes. Gunas are, are, are like ropes, and every movement that one does in the world of, of cause and effect 
you know, causes these ropes to tighten a little bit more. The, the, you know, the rope around your neck is getting a little bit tighter with every, every movement in, the, um, in this world, but the tangled knot is becoming more and more knotted up. Um, that's a difficult thing. You see like the, uh, the Jains, I mean, their whole spiritual practice is, is almost, I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with it, but one part that struck me was there, you know, they're very concerned about this detangling and not causing any more karma because they, they understand the, um, I guess the, the um, impediment that it causes. Um, and the guys around here actually are very good at making knots. I'm not very good at making knots. Here they can make knots where, you know, it's this knot that, that, that one can tie and it can hold a big, big uh, amount of material. And with just one little pull, the whole thing comes apart, you know. But usually that's not the case. Usually the, if you tie some, at least when I have to tie something on the car or, or move something, you know, you tie the knot and I, I usually end up having to just cut it. Um, and that's that's usually what it's what it's like is once the knot is so tangled, it's so difficult to untie it, use your nails and your teeth to do it. Usually you just go and cut it. It reminds me of this funny video that we, uh, Sham Sundar and I watched on, on YouTube once because we have these bags of, um, uh, of grains for the cows and, and they're stitched, right? And they're stitched in such a way that if you just cut it and pass the string through and you pull it, the whole thing comes undone, right? Very nice, just like, just like um, you know, the way it's sewn is done that way. But for some reason, I always get it wrong. And whenever I cut it and pull it, it just tightens even more. Um, and so we watched, a, we watched a YouTube video about a person and I, I won't be able to really um, kind of transmit the humor of the video, but it was very serious. And they were like, okay, hello, welcome to my channel. This, oh, Sham Sundar, there's a cow outside our cabin. Sham? Just so you know, there's a cow outside our cabin. Gita's leaves. Sorry, I've got a cow outside the cabin and Sean's garden is here. Um, uh, sorry, what was I saying? So the, the bag, um, you know, she, she made this video to show how to undo the knot and have the whole thing come undone. And she, she went through it and then, oh, it didn't work. She went, oh, sorry, I just saw, I meant to do it like this. She went through it, oh, it didn't work. And finally, she just got a knife and slashed through the the bag it was really funny because that's that's usually what i do so uh you know swords like the sword that's referred to here the sword of remembrance of krishna um cutting through the knots quite easily um it's it's like opening the bag with a with scissors uh Gumar is fond of telling the story that sridhar tells about uh alexander the great i think where there was some the gordian knot i'm not exactly sure what that was but there's some kind of um knot and it was a, a contest to see which king could untie this knot. Sham, the cow is about to go in your garden. I'm sorry, one second. Go! Go! I'm sorry about that. Sham, are you coming to the garden? One second.
Hi guys, sorry about that. That's ashram for you. I'm a little bit out of breath. Okay, so where was I? Yeah, Guru Maharaj was fond of telling that story of um, Alexander the Great. Uh, how he was able to, to untie this Gordian knot, conquer India just by cutting it. So just like it's, it's told in this verse, remember, remembrance of the Lord. So the idea is that swords cut through things very easily. Bhakti, remembrance of Krishna cuts through things very easily. And you compare that with the other paths and the, the amount of difficulty that's required, such as say the Jains, they, they do so much to, to prevent violence. Um, it's quite troublesome. Also the yogis and the gyanis, it's, a, it's quite a troublesome path to, to produce the same effect. And um, this, this extrication from karma and release from its grip is the goal of these paths as well. It's in a sense, it's the low end of bhakti. This is kind of like concomitant with bhakti or kind of, um, well, the low end of bhakti, but on the other paths, this is, this is the high end of the other paths. Um, so even the low end of bhakti destroys corrupt the karma and uh, the karma that's manifesting in this life, like I had mentioned, normally other paths are able to destroy only the opera of the karma or the karma that's um, lying dormant that would come out sometime in the future. So in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the root of the suffering that we're talking about, the bondage of karma, um, the root of it is ignorance, of course. And this causes one, this, the, the, the basis of this ignorance is to consider oneself to be the center and hence the enjoyer. Krishna says, and this is kind of what we think about ourselves, that we are the enjoyer, we are the center. Um, so when we hear Krishna saying it, we might be a little, okay. Hopefully now the disturbances are gone. Um, you know, but really this is Krishna's position that he is the enjoyer. So, so when we act on this desire, the, this desire to be the enjoyer, um, the desire you know, it causes us to act for, for the fulfillment and the, this action causes reactions, both manifest and un unmanifest, parabdha and aparabdha. Um, so the manifest is, is our parabdha karma and, is, and the concomitant suffering of that. Um, and the unmanifest, uh, the unmanifest karma creates kind of a, a disposition to, to desire in the same way as before and to act in the same way. So one has ignorance, which causes one to act. And then that action has, has two results, manifest and unmanifest. And so we live through the manifest, uh, the manifest karma, but the, the unmanifest karma goes on underground, producing the, the proclivity kind of to desire and act in the same way. So there's this, this cycle going on or, or kind of like a big knot um, that causes the entanglement to continue. And the amazing thing is that the sort of remembrance of Krishna, his pastimes, his form, his name, cuts through both types of karma, um, unlike the other, unlike the other paths. So, um, Haridas Thakur is an example of someone whose corrupt karma was changed by, by, um, by bhakti. We're familiar with that story. Um, and, and the idea, you know, kind of like a disease is treated. If a disease is treated early, um, it's usually easier to treat than, than when it becomes chronic. It's far more difficult. And similarly, karma, which 
is more difficult to, to re uh, eradicate um, is, is this, this come this come to the surface, but even in sadhana bhakti, this is this is this suffering is is released. It's one of the the uh, the descriptions of sadhana sadhana bhakti kleshagni. So it's it's one of the first characteristics given um, of the, the qualities of bhakti in sadhana. So this verse is is very very nice. It's meant to invoke faith, I would say, in the process and the stages that we're about to come to. And it's it's interesting. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar to the first verse of the Shikshasakam, which is also there meant to invoke faith um, in the in the path of bhakti and the stages that are about to come. And what's interesting about this section of, of the um, of the Bhagavatam is that that it, it th these next couple of verses are what give those stages, the stages that we're also very we're, we're very familiar with. Adoshrada, Sadhusanga, Bhajana Kriya, Nishta, like this, these stages that, that we're, we're familiar with, they're the seed of those, we find them in the in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, we find them brought out in the Shikshasakam of Mahaprabhu. The seed of those ver verses is here, that, that description is coming. Um, and this first verse here is meant to invoke faith in the process by, by saying, you know, how amazing is it that karma is cut through just, just by remembrance of Krishna? Uh, in the same way, kind of that the first verse of the Shikshastrakam is meant to invoke faith. Um, so we'll move on to verse 16. And here we go. I'm hearing rustling outside like a cow. Hopefully she's gone. Shushu Sharahanasya Vasudeva Kataruchi Syan Mahatsevaya Vipra Punya Tirtha Nishevanat. So, O oh, twice-born sages, by serving those devotees who are completely freed from all vice, great service is done. By such service, one gains affinity for hearing the messages of Vasudev. So here, um, I'll just read Vishwanath. He translates it a little bit differently. He says, O oh, Brahmanas, attraction for topics concerning Krishna will arise by service to the great devotees, followed by faith, surrender to the feet of the pure guru, and by the desire to hear. So here we see the state, the, the initial stage of Shraddha. And actually there are some kind of pre-stages that are alluded to here. Normally we think that the, the path, we, we hear in that the verse from Bhakti Rasam Rita Sindhu that, the, that uh, Bhakti begins with Shraddha, but there's actually something going on under the surface um, a little bit before, kind of like the roots of, of a seed going down, um, which are, are, are mentioned here where he, he says, uh, you know, will arise by service to the great devotees, followed by faith. And that service can be done, um, initially often it's done unknowingly, um, and then it can, can uh, evolve into knowing, serv uh, knowing service until faith arises. And it, it's interesting to, to look at this verse, if we compare it back to a verse about um, Varnashram Dharma, where Dharma svanustita kumsam vishvakshena katasuyaha no padayet yatira tinshami eva kukebalam. There he's saying that that um, uh, Varnashram Dharma is a waste of time unless it, it invokes um, taste and faith in in in, um, in in the message of the Supreme Lord. Um, but, but you know what it's basically saying is that it doesn't do that. Only 
only bhakti does that. So you want to know how that that's done, and that's done, the answer is actually given here by by service to great devotees. One get, gains taste for that. One doesn't gain taste for that from Varnashram. One doesn't gain taste from that from from Gyan, but one does get, gain taste from that by serving devotees. And serving devotees, of course, is is a limb, um, a limb of bhakti. So, um, like like I was saying, even a little bit further back, the mercy of, it's the mercy of the devotees that starts the whole process. Um, but beginning with this verse, we're starting to see um, the the progression of of bhakti from faith to full fledged, uh, from faith to full fledged prema. So, um, let's just see here. So, um, all the steps are basically condensations of this 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 faith and refinements of this faith uh, the examples often given of sugar or um, sugar cane or for me it makes a little bit more sense like maple syrup just because I grew up with that it's very very initially what comes out of the tree the sap of the maple tree is very thin and uh, you know barely sweet but by this refinement process it, it becomes more and more sweet more and more thick until you know then you can you, you eat it on snow and then even after further than that it becomes like a, a hard crystal like a candy um but it's you know it's not it's also not that these stages are like super hard and fixed they bleed into one another it's a spectrum um uh, both in quality and in 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 depth um like we have the terms komal shraddha deep faith and shastriya shraddha um, strong faith, faith in scripture. And it's a little, this idea of faith and this condensation of faith of which all these, all these steps of bhakti are, um, is a little bit different than the, the idea of, of belief. Like I think uh, often in perhaps other religious traditions, it's like, do you believe or you don't believe? Do you have faith or you don't have faith? Um, but but it's, it's a little bit different in Hinduism. I think it's a little bit more fluid we even see it in these terms in, term, in terms of weak faith and, and strong faith. Um, so it's not just, just necessarily belief, but um, there's a, a nice religious author that I like quite a bit, her name's Karen, Karen Armstrong, and she speaks about it in a very similar way as Guru Maharaj speaks about faith, where it, it, it's more, it means more of um, a commitment or an involvement or an aspiration kind of to follow the path that's laid out. Um, and to to experience it for oneself. Um, so the you know the beginning stages that that's what's being delineated here in this verse. Um, but like I said before, uh, the verse says attraction will come by serving the great devotees. And I, I mentioned that it's perhaps it can be even unknowingly that that this service goes on and then the faith will will arise. Vishnu Chakravarti in his commentary just a, a couple. Of, Versus later gives a list of 14 steps instead of nine at the beginning. Um, and he talks about his first two steps, um, I guess I had mentioned them, but were the mercy of the devotees, uh, which is the, the causeless cause of bhakti that we spoke about quite at length, and then service to the devotees, and then faith. So this sometimes is referred to as a gyata sukriti. Without knowledge, um, one does something. The seeds planted by the mercy of the devotees and uh, First, what's going on is these roots are going down before the this sprout of faith first shows itself. Um, I had a friend who, uh, a, a, a devotee who used to travel with Gumaraj quite a bit, and he he told this story in the airport. 
because he, he was traveling with Gumarsh in the airport, that Gumarsh was kind of like accepting all these, um, all this junk mail. And he, it took him a, a, re, a little while to realize like, you know, people handing out flyers and things like that, that Gumarsh would always accept it. And he was kind of wondering, you know, why is he, we're just having to, to throw it out afterwards. And then he kind of realized that, oh, Gumarsh, this person was giving him something. He, this, this, this person was acting as a giver, even though it was just giving a coupon or something like that. So Gumarsh was reciprocating in, 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 a, in, in a way that this person is giving something and, and, and unbeknownst to them, giving it to a superlative devotee um, and Gumarsh was accepting it. So the, the devotee who was a friend of mine kind of saw this as, as you know, that, that beginning where unknowingly um, a person was giving something to a devotee. There's a very funny story, I think, about, I, I'm not sure if it was in New York or San Francisco or somewhere with, probably New York with Prabhupada at one of their very first temples, um, you know, the class was going on or something and a drunk man came in and barged his way to the front and smacked down a roll of toilet paper right in front of Prabhupada and then turned around and left and the, and, and the devotees were shocked and they didn't know what to do. And, um, and Prabhupada said, you know, said, just look, this man's spiritual life has begun. You know, he gave something. Um, so this is, this is kind of where it begins. And in and, and the next couple, well, I guess it's maybe two chapters ahead, um, the story of Narada is given, um, where Narada was is describing his previous life in a previous kalpa and his, um, he was the son of a maidservant and they had the good fortune of having some saintly guests for the, uh, the, um, this, the, the, four, the four months of, of the rainy season. And, and he, he, because of this situation that arrived, he had the opportunity to serve them, you know, to, to wash their dishes and perhaps eat the, their remnants. And he, the story goes on showing exactly these steps. So it's worth going and, um, no, actually maybe it's worth just, just reading it because it's, it's very compelling when you see, um, when you see someone's personal story I think Bhakti Vinod Thakur wrote a letter where he describes himself going through all the stages of Bhakti. But here in the Bhagavatam, just in a couple chapters ahead, um, this, this progress, these stages of Bhakti is given um, kind of in, in the story of, of, of Narada. And it's very, like I said, it's very compelling to hear it in someone's personal life. It, I'll just read a short, a short piece of it. It says, O Muni, in the last millennium, I was born as a the son of a certain maidservant engaged in the service of Brahmanas who were following the principles of Vedanta. When they were living together during the four months of the rainy season, I was engaged in their personal service. Although they were impartial by nature, those followers of the Vedanta blessed me with their cosmos mercy. As far as I was concerned, I was uh, self-controlled and had no attachment for sports, even though I was a young boy. Once only by their permission, I took remnants of their food and by doing so, my sins were at once eradicated. Thus being engaged, I became purified in heart. And at that time, the very nature of the transcendentalist became attractive to me. O Vyasadeva, in that association by the mercy of those great Vedantists, I could hear them describe the attractive activities of Lord Krishna. And thus listening attentively, my taste and hearing for the personality of Godhead increased at every step. So it goes on, but, but it's nice to see that these stages that we're talking about in these, the, these verses are, um, are elucidated in, in the story of, of Narada in the next chapter. So, um, what else what did I want to say? Oh, Pun, I just, yeah, we just wanted to mention that because of the way that um, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur 
translates the verse, um, he says, he gives uh, things, uh, the stages, service to the great devotees, followed by faith, followed by surrender to the, to the feet of the pure guru. And that comes from the line, punya tirtha nishevana. And it refers to the sadhu or the guru. So in the context of sadhu sangha, um, after uh, faith has arisen due to the mercy of the devotees, uh, one, one takes uh, to sadhu sangha and within the context of that, um, one finds a sadhu that inspires one particularly and um, uh, takes shelter of them. So these stages are being given here, uh, shraddha, sadhu sangha, and, and the Bhagavatam refers to this, this saintly devotee, this guru here is punya tirtha, um, and it's interesting because Tirtha is, of course, a word that means uh, a crossing point, like a kind of like a portal to an another another dimension. It's it's uh, it means often it, it means a, a specific place, a geographical place, like a holy place. Um, but we hear often that the reason places really are holy is because of the people uh, who live there. I think that there's a story of Ganga Devi where she was. Um, maybe a little bit reticent about going down to, to earth because she was afraid she would be um, contaminated by all the sins of everybody bathing in her. But she was reassured by saying, oh, don't worry, there'll be uh, you know, sadhus living on your banks. And therefore, um, the, the sins of the, of, of the people will not contaminate your waters because you'll have sadhus bathing in, the, bathing in your waters. But basically, the idea is that the real point of going to these holy places, these tirthas, which can you know, either mean a, a holy person or a holy place or a place where one crosses over, parati, um, is because in, in a holy place, one's likely to run into holy people and then one would hear their discussions and hopefully end up rendering some service to them. Um, and having heard from holy people in a holy place, the whole, this whole you know, process takes place. Syan Mahatsevayabhikra says that the door to 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 Sian Mahatsevaya Vipra. Rishabhadev says says something similar. He says Mahatsevadvaram that the the door to liberation um, is opened by service to great devotees. And um, th there's verse after verse to to substantiate this point. Devahuti says a very uh, similar thing um, about how service to devotees opens up the gate to liberation. And why? Uh, why is this so? It's, it's simple. It's because the guru, um, you know, uh, is the one who gives the sadhana. He's the one who, or he or she is the one who gives the practice. So one develops faith and finds uh, a teacher, and then the teacher guides one and gives one, uh, per, uh, you know, personal instruction as to how to how to perform sadhana. Um, so this is the, the guru's mercy, and it's very very practical. Sometimes we think of mercy from the guru as some kind of uh, intangible ray of light or something like that but it's actually a very um practical thing it's it's uh it's the sadhana that he gives and in a sense it's like faith faith is also not such an intangible thing we see uh Vinod makes a point and gumaraj likes to bring it out that faith and sharanagati correspond and and sharanagati is, is also very much a, a practical thing so one can kind of determine um the level of one's faith by the level of one's sharanagati and and uh, the mercy of the guru in the same way is not so intangible. It is quite it, it is quite a tangible thing. 
So we'll move on to verse 17. So verse 16 was uh, mostly about serving the devotees, developing faith, and taking shelter of Sadhu Sangha. Um, now verse 17, Shrimbata Svakata Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtanaha, Vedyanto Sto Hyabhadrani Vin Vinoti Suhurtsata. Prabhupada translated it, Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramatma in everyone's heart and the benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of the devotee who relishes his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when pro properly heard and chanted. So, um, having faith and meeting one's guru, one begins one's sadhana, which is like stated in this verse, Srinvatasvakata um, Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtanaha. So, one basic sadhana is hearing and chanting about Krishna. And the idea, which is given uh, further here, is that Krishna is present wherever his devotees are glorifying him. Prabhupada says here in the purport that the messages of the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, are non different from him. Wherever, therefore, offenseless hearing of God is undertaken, it is to be understood that Lord Krishna is present there in the form of transcendental sound, which is as powerful as the Lord personally. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his Shikshastakam declares clearly that the holy name of the Lord has all the potencies of the Lord and that he has endowed his innumerable names with the same potency. So um, the idea that, that the chanting the name of the Lord or, or the, the pastimes of the Lord is the same as the Lord is given. There's a famous verse, Namas Chintamani Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Punyashura Nityamitam Dinatvam Naminamino. This is a verse that's quoted quite a bit. And Dinatvam Naminamino means that the name and the names are the same. And the, the Vaishnavas are a funny bunch. It's said that the Vaishnavas see, um, uh, see with their ears. Um, then it's this idea of transcendental sound. So as the name enters the ears, um, it bounces around in the head maybe for a bit, bounces around in the brain, but ultimately what happens is it goes down into the heart and um, begins the process of purification. And that's what's, what we're hearing about in this verse is um, uh, Arjuna Kriya. So uh, Kapili Dev gives a nice verse where he talks about this Rasayana Kata, um, Going into, uh, going from the ear into the heart. So that section of the Bhagavatam with um, Devahuti and, and Kapila Dev is very, very beautiful section. Vidhunoti suhurtsutam. The, the verse says. So it, it, it's this is referring to. Let's see how Prabhupada translates that. The benefactor cleanses the heart of the truthful, basically. So it. It's the, that, that, that these, these uh, sounds and these names take the name, take the shape of a friend, actually. Suhurt is the word that's used, which is a very nice word. It means kind of a, um, well, a well-wisher, a little bit older person who, who has well-wishing. Um, Prabhupada was known for, for signing his, his letters like that, I think, like, um, you're ever well-wisher. So Suhurt is kind of this, there are four different types of friends of Krishna. One of them is a little bit older and um, they have this kind of friendly disposition. So the idea is that the, these sounds, the holy name, this hearing and chanting, it takes the, sh the shape of a friend or of a sweeper and it goes and, and begins this process as, um, of cleaning the heart. And it's quite an amazing thing. Like I quoted that verse, Namas Chintamani Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha. So these things, Chintamani, this Chaitanya pure consciousness, Rasa Vigraha, the form of, of Rasa, 
Um, so this high, high thing would take such a lowly position and enter and, and, and do the dirty work, um, do the dirty work of, of, of cleaning the heart. So the result of the hearing and chanting um, about Krishna should be that the heart is becoming cleansed. Vajna Kriya should give rise to the next stage, Anartha Navriti, where one's Anarthas um, are starting to be dissipated. So Bhaktivinoda gives uh, four different types of an anarthas. So these are the unwanted things in the heart that, that bind us um, to material nature. These are what form the knot of material nature. Um, I'll just read them very quickly, but he's, he, he divides it into four categories. The first being the defects of the heart. Um, and these are, these are all the things that become cleansed by, by um, chanting, the hearing and chanting and remembering. Um, so defects of the heart are attachment, propensity to cheat and find fault, envy, and very bad one, pratishta, or the desire for recognition. And then there's also uh, offenses, namaparad, sevaparad, vaishnavaparad, and also jivaparad, Bhaktivinoda says, so that's offenses against any living entity, even dogs and ants. <laughs> um, there's uh, the third, which is the thirst for material objects, so for pleasure in this world, or if you're a little bit religious, pleasure in the next world, uh, for power um, or for liberation. Um, and then there's the illusions about spiritual wisdom. So misunderstandings about the nature of the jiva, misunderstandings about the nature of God. So these anarthas give, give rise and give birth to the six kind of great enemies that we read about in the scripture, kama, krodha, loba, moha, mada, and matsarya, lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride, envy. So these are the things that we're looking for uh, for the disappearance of by, by engaging in, in hearing and chanting and remember, we, remembering, we should see um, that these things are starting to, to dissipate. And the worst, of course, um, there's a few that I guess maybe take the number one spot for worst, but Pratishta is singled out often as, as being particularly bad. It's with, I think it's referred to as pig stool even, um, and pigs eat stool. So it's emphasizing the point. Envy is also something that's not compatible with devotion or being a devotee. Um, and fault finding, criticizing others. Jiva Goswami has made a, a powerful point where he mentioned that criticism is actually worse than envy um, because envy is in the heart. The criticism is when it comes out and actually affects and, and, and it damages the other person. It has the, the ability to, to pierce the other person's heart. So in fact, criticism is worse than envy. Um, so, you know, practicing, it's its a bit, it, you know, we all have these kind of, of anarthas within us and it's a bit, it's, we're practicing. Um, and as long, you know, it's, it's, it seems a little bit slow. It's a little bit like cooking with smoke, you know? So it could take a real long time to heat up the, the pot, but as long as we're trying, um, you know, trying to get rid of them, then at least we're, we're, um, we're not, we're, we're putting ourselves close to the fire and it, it, it will happen. We wanna see that these things are going away. So a bit of contrition um, is not a bad thing. We see that in, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he says, Durdaivam Ivisham Ihajani Nanadagaha. He has a little bit of contrition. So it's not such a bad thing, but one continues hearing and chanting and comes to the stage of Nishta. Um, which is the next verse. And this is a famous verse. This verse sometimes is recited um, at the beginning of the, um, 
of, of speaking on the Bhagavatam. So you probably know it. Nasta Pareshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavati Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki. So by regularly hearing the Bhagavatam and rendering service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is practically destroyed and loving service unto the glorious Lord who is praised with transcendental songs is established as an irrevocable fact. So this is this verse is state, uh, speaking of the stage of Nishta. So we've gone up through service to the devotees, the, 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 the sprout of faith, and then Sarusanga, Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Navriti, and the next verse. And now here we come to Nishta. So Nishta is a, is a well, it's an important stage. It's, it's what Guru Maharaj says our, our interim goal should be. Prema is very far away. Prema is a very, very high thing, but Nishta is something that, that we can really set as an interim goal. Um, Guru Maharaj often uh, compares it to climbing a mountain. Um, and Nishta is kind of when you get to the top of the mountain, you've done the work of kind of going up the slope, um, and now you're at the top of the mountain. And from there on in, it's it's downhill, and you can see where you're going. When you're going up the mountain, you kind of don't know what's on the other side. There's a Greek myth of Sisyphus. I don't know if you know uh, if you know it, where the guy who's condemned to push the the boulder up the hill for eternity, he never gets to the top before the the boulder rolls back down. Um, but but uh, this is not the case in Bhakti. Um, and when you get to Nishta, you actually got the boulder to the top. So. There'll be some momentum going forward and you'll see where you're going. So from Anishta Bhajna Kriya through Anartha Navriti in the last verse to Nishta Bhajna Kriya. And we see that Nasta Preshu Abhadreshu. So these, these unwanted things in the heart are almost completely destroyed. Um, and in terms of faith, like I was talking about faith in a continuum before, this means going from, you know, one's gone from Komal Shraddha, um, kind of a weaker faith, to Shastriya Shraddha, fixed faith, a faith a faith that's fixed in, in scripture, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. So this Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, it's, it's fixed in, in, in the, um, the knowledge of the Bhagavad and also in the service of the Bhagavad as a person. Um, two Bhagavats, this idea of two Bhagavats, we find it in all the, in all the translations, but this is the gift really of, um, in a sense of Bornitai. I think I quoted the verses in the last class, but in the beginning, um, when Gornitai are being glorified, that they uh, they come like the sun and the moon, and they illuminate the darkness of the heart and and help one to see, um, you know, the the, the truth. Um, they do that by introducing one to the, these two Bhagavats. So, um, one is the person Bhagavat, and one is the book Bhagavat. I think it, it comes from Sri Maharaj, but I mean, I heard it from Maharaj, but that um, you know. So, so at this stage, one is fixed in the service of the active agent, which would be the, the devotee, or fixed in the service of the passive agent, which is the book. So it's they both serve different functions, and it's nice, it's beautiful that that this Bhagavat manifests itself both as as the advanced devotee and as the book. Then we have a, a real good chance, um, because. At this stage, you know, before it's it's pretty easy for the intellect to be to be captured by many different things and many different ideas. But at this stage of of, of nishta, um, 
the intellect has become so absorbed and uh, engaged, captivated by the the book and by captivated by the service to the to the devotees that it's really hard to go anywhere else. So the person is fixed. The modes of nature, you know, they they may still be pulling on one, but but uh, through intellect and 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 fixity, that you know, one's able to kind of resist these things and not in a sense, not be, be swayed because one is intellectually um, in, intellectually convinced. Um, and it says, Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiti. So it's, you know, it's fixed. It's Nitya, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Um, uh, in, in Prabhupada's words, he says, Kirtaniya Sadahari. So he says, uh, is referring to this Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, uh, constantly being engaged in the service. Um, it's worth mentioning um, I, the symptoms of this stage because they're very beautiful. They're what's, what really ornament the devotees more so than, uh, you know, than anything else. <laughs> um, these, 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 four things that are that are brought out by Mahaprabhu. This verse I just quoted is corresponds with this verse. So he, he says, Kirtaniya Sadahari, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. But then he also gives these these beautiful qualities. Um, and these beautiful these qualities are not the the, the central part of of Nishta. The central part of Nishta is Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. Um, but still Still, they're they're quoted by Mahaprabhu. The the sroop of Nishta is the, the this fixity, but he included these qualities and symptoms um, because they're they're in, they're very very favorable and they're almost they're practically intrinsic to bhakti: humility, tolerance, not expecting any admiration, and showing others veneration. So they're the the ornaments of the sadhu. Again, this this in the third canto, Lord Kapila. Um, he he's I should I should read the verse because it's really nice if I can just find it quickly. Um, he says, Titikshava Karunita Sudrida Savadehinam Ajata Shatrava Shanta Sadava Sadhu Bhushanam Sadava Sadhu Bhushanam. So the symptoms of a sadhu are that he is tolerant, merciful friendly to all living entities. He has no enemies. He is peaceful. He abides by the scriptures and all his characters are sublime. So the, the, this is uh, Sadva Sadhu Bhushanam. These are his, the ornaments of the Sadhu. Just the, they're practically the same as you can see. Krishna's one of my favorite, favorite names of Krishna, or I don't know if it's a name or, or a descriptor more, but he's called Bhushana Bhushanangam. Um, it's a very nice word to describe Krishna. It means that he is the ornament of his ornaments, meaning he beautifies his ornaments. So we put um, rings and, and jewels and crowns on Krishna, and they're beautiful on their own, but they come e they become even more beautiful um, on the body of Krishna. And in a similar way, um, these qualities of humility, tolerance, and compassion, and whatnot are you know they're they're very very beautiful qualities, and they have much value in their own right. Um, but when they're joined with devotion. Um, they become extremely beautiful. Um, they take, uh, take on an extremely uh, a beautiful quality. The, the, the humility and tolerance of the devotee is something very beautiful. 
there's lower and higher stages of these things. You know, someone could be, um, you know, humility is a kind of someone who be, behaves humbly is it's an innately attractive, but someone, a lot of people can be humble just because they're poor <laughs> or people can be humble just because of their circumstance um, or they can be humble because of some remorse or something like that. But there's this higher le level of humility that you once seen in devotees where um, the humility is coming really from the an understanding of the 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 finiteness of the soul compared to the infiniteness of of reality. Um, this they experience this junction between time and space, and and it causes this this kind of higher level of humility. And and Gumash also explains how there's kind of a lower level of tolerance and a higher level of tolerance tolerance. And um, so I was just kind of thinking about it a little bit and how these qualities are inherently beautiful. But when you see them in a devotee, they kind of, the devotee makes them even more beautiful, just like Krishna makes um, his jewelry even more beautiful than it is on its own. So, I mean, there's much to be said about all these verses. I'm just trying to do an overview, but we'll move on to text 19. So um, we've come to the stage of Nishta, and then the next stage is, is um, Yuchi. And asati. So this is the verse. Tadara jastamo baba kama loba dayaschaye cheta etar anabitam stitam sakte prasiditi. At the time loving, uh, loving service is established in the heart, the modes of passion and ignorance and lust and desire disappear from the heart, and the devotee is established in goodness and becomes happy. Let's see how Vishwanath translates it. He says, the mind becomes unaffected by lust, greed, anger, hatred, and illusion, which arise from rajas and tamas. Then the mind becomes fixed in the form of the Lord at the stage of asakti and becomes satisfied. So very similar. So rajaguna, passion, tamaguna, ignorance, and lethargy, lust, and greed, these are no longer affecting or agitating the mind. Um, so what it's saying is that there's no there's no taste for these in this realm anymore. There's no taste for the objects, implying that there is a taste for hearing and chanting and remembering, because one, one's no longer influenced by these lower things. One's being influenced by higher things. Um, one's being influenced from the other side. There's a taste for the devotional practice. Um, and so, like Mahaprabhu says, nadanam najanam nasundaram. This is his verse that corresponds with with Ruchi. Nadanam najanam nasundaram kabitam vad jagadisha kamay. So there is taste for devotional practices at the stage of Ruchi. So there's not taste for other things. There's not taste for wealth. Nadanam najanam nasundaram. Not for people or beautiful, um, beautiful companions. Um, uh, by extension, there's not for religi religiosity, the wealth of religion. Mama Janmani Janmani Ishvari, he says. So, you know, birth after birth, he's not even interested in moksha. Um, so, so these things, it's the, the higher taste that we talk about. Tamas um, kind of rules over common pleasure, rajas over artha and power, sattva over dharma, religion, virtue. So there's no desire for these things anymore. Only bhavatad bhakti of ahaitukitvai. So only for bhakti, um, pure bhakti is defined in this chapter. The word that you, you start to see that the, the same words are used in all these, these different places, ahaituki, um, unmotivated. So bhakti for bhakti's sake, 
bhakti for bhakti's sake is the principal characteristic of ruchi. Here, the um, the, the the difficulty or medicine um, of of sadhana, because it can be difficult a little bit, <laughs> has become food, and it tastes really good. So the the devotee is relishing at this stage. Um, I think that the acharyas have, have said that this is a stage of pure bhakti, shuddha bhakti, shuddha bhakti, because um, there's there's no longer any influence from from the the red, white, and blue of of, of the, the modes of material nature. Um, the, the heart's not affected by these modes anymore. Uh, in, in Mahaprabhu describes it as Shreya Kaira Vachandrika Vitaranam. He describes it as a white lotus that's blooming under the influence of, of moonbeams. The idea that, that the other side is starting to come through and, and, and touch the heart. And the heart is, it's described as a white lotus. So it means it's uncolored by the passions um, of this world, the vanities of this world. And something more um, is coming from the spiritual spiritual side, the Shreya Kaira Vachandrika, these moonbeams. Um, so this is the higher taste, the taste of devotional practice. Um, in the second part of the verse, um, the taste and attachment turns from the it turns to, should I say, the object on which the practices were focused. So um, so in Ruchi, the attachment and taste is towards the practices of devotional service. One's interested in hearing and chanting and remembering, and one gets um, uh, encouragement and taste from this. And then the Shikta Asakti attachment um, is where one becomes focused and, and attached to the, to the form of the Lord. How does he say it here? one becomes fixed in the form of the Lord at the stage of us asakti and becomes satisfied. So one becomes, um, one becomes attached um, to the person, to the person whom these, who you're chanting about, who you're hearing about, who you're remembering about, there's a person on the other side. And now the attachment and it has, has transferred to the, to the person. So there's also a shift at this point from the material identity to the spiritual identity. When one receives the Diksha Mantras, inside there is a seed um, and, and it's the seed of a relationship. And Asakti is, is really a, a stage about relationships because, because it's, there's, a, there's another person on the other side. And the, the very interesting thing about Gaudiya Vaishnavism and our idea of Krishna and God is that he's a very social God. It's a very, I mean, the, the, it's a very social, uh, uh, social spirituality. It's very much about relationships. Um, and the goal is to enter this social life of God, family and friends and um, whatnot. Mahaprabhu, his verse corresponding to this section, he says, Ayinanda Tunuja Kinkaram. So uh, uh, there's two people being talked about here, Ayinanda Tanuja. This is the way I, I read in someone's, I forget where I read it, but that Ayi is the, the way that a, a lady would call out to a man. I think perhaps men would say, hey, Nanda Tanuja, and a woman would say, Ayinanda Tanuja, Kinkaram. So here there's two people in the verse. It's relational. There's the son of Nanda um, and there's his maidservant. Um, so, so this is, um, and it's, it's also a stage of attachment, stitam, uh, that's in, in this verse here, right? The stitam sattve So 
uh, one is fixed in this relationship, one is taken. There's, you know, sorry, I'm not interested in anybody else. I'm taken, you know, I've got a ring on my finger or whatever. Uh, so moving on then to text 20, how are we doing for time? I think I can, can get through this. So text 20, evam prasana manaso bhagavad bhaktir yogata bhagavad tattva vidyanam mukta sangasya jayate. Thus established in the mode of goodness, the man rejuvenated by loving service to the Lord gains liberation from material association and comes to know scientifically of the personality of Godhead. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur uh, translated as, thus the mind becomes joyful and satisfied on attaining Rati, Baba. Finally, Prema develops, accompanied by the appearance of complete detachment. The devotee then experiences the Lord's form, qualities, pastimes, and sweetness. So, evam, pra, pra, evam prasana manaso, this means bhava, spiritual emotions. Um, uh, bhava is described as a ray of the sun of, of prema, a ray of the sun of love. So, um, the, the mind, how does, how does it fit in here? Evam prasana manaso, thus enlivened the mind. Um, like the mind becomes joyful at, at, at dawn when the rays of, you know, uh, just when the sun is coming up, first the rays come. That's how Baba is described as a, as a ray of pain. So in the morning, you know, the mind becomes joyful when seeing the rays of the sun coming up because you know the darkness is over. The sun, there's nothing can back and stop it now. The sun is going to come over the, the horizon. The rays have peaked over. You know the sun is coming. Um, this, this is a stage of Baba where the, uh, um, you know, spiritual emotions, there's an ingress of spiritual emotions. Um, and it's kind of a, it's an interesting stage. It's a stage that's in between sadhana bhakti and, and prema bhakti. So it's kind of like a uh, sadhana of, of a spiritual, like a, it's, well, it's an in-between stage, a stage in between sadhana and prema. There's elements of sadhana and there's elements of prema. It's described that Baba softens the heart. Um, so, so these emotions, um, you know, are being churned. This is kind of the sadhana of bhava. These emotions are being churned to, to form this kind of pinnacle or uh, crescendo of, of, of rasa. So it's characterized by these emotional ecstasies, tears and perspiration. Um, but there are, uh, there are also other more kind of down to earth um, manifestations that might be a better way to, to kind of test such because tears and, and fainting and whatnot are easily faked, but um, not wasting time, that's not easily faked. Having a complete lack of pride, that's not easy, easily faked either. I mean, you really have to be a saint not to, to procrastinate or, wait, or waste time when you see that. These are, there's other indications that describe uh, So, evam prasana manaso bhagavad bhakti yogataha. That means, um, Vishnath Chakravarti has, has explained that that means praying to Bhagavan. Bhagavad Tattva Vidyanam Mukta Sangyasya Jayate. So Mukta Sangyasya, that means that these other things that we discussed kind of in the last class, like detachment and knowledge and stuff, they come automatically. And Bhagavad Tattva Vidyanam. Vidyanam means realization. Gyan means knowledge. Vidyan means uh, realized knowledge. So Bhagavad Tattva Vidyanam. That means knowledge of the Lord's form, qualities, pastimes. This is, this is uh, manifest in Bhav. So we'll just do the last, is this a, 
there's just two quick verses before um, kind of the end of this section of this chapter. So verse 21. Vidyate hridaya grantis chidyante sarvasamshaya kishyanti chasya karmani drishta evatmanishwari. Thus, the knots of the heart and all misgivings are cut to pieces. The chain of fruitive actions, karma is terminating, terminated when one sees the self as master. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, ignorance is cut and all doubts are destroyed. On seeing the Lord in the mind and with the eyes, all karmas are destroyed. So we started with this, this, um, this idea at the beginning of the sword of remembrance cutting through the knot of knowledge. Uh, sorry, the knot of karma. And here we've got kind of a repetition of it after going through all the stages from Shraddha to Prem. So this is a verse that's kind of shedding further life, further light on what Prema is and what it does as a byproduct. So the, the knot in the heart is cut and all doubts are removed. And this is as a mere byproduct of Prema. So this knot in the heart, you know, like we've we mentioned is a hunkar. This is what binds us to matter. And there are other paths that deal with this, like yoga and gyan. Um, their whole paths to, unto themselves. They're dedicated entirely to trying to untie this knot. Um, and it may be accomplished through them. They are legitimate paths, but um, it's not certain. And it's also very difficult to do, um, do it oneself. Whereas if one calls to, for Krishna's help yeah, and he comes with a sword, well, um, it's it's much easier. I remember hearing a story about I I can't I can't remember the details of it, but there was a devotee, a sannyasi, or someone praying in front of a, uh, a murti of Narayana with you know ten arms and all these weapons, the club, the discus, the sword, all these things, and there was a um, a uh, altar of Radha Krishna or something, and his I can't remember exactly who it was, but uh, his godbrother came over and noticed that he had been spending a lot of time in front of this this really opulent Aishwarya deity of Narayan and he was wondering why he wasn't you know maybe praying to the sweet forms of Radha and Krishna so he asked him why are you spending so much time praying to Narayan and the devotee replied something along the lines well I'm not praying I'm not praying praying to Narayan I'm praying to his weapons <laughs> so he's praying to the sword of Narayan I think in Ramanuja perhaps there's even pujas you know pujas to the chakra puja to the sword of Narayan so it's, this is the common sense of bhakti that, that instead of trying to untie the knot oneself, one depends on Krishna and his, you know, his sword to come down and slice the, slice the knot in half. Again, Srila Sridhar Maharaj's story of Alexander the Great, all those different kings couldn't un, untie the knot through self-effort, um, kind of being an, analogous to the past of jnana and yoga. Bhakti was kind of this kind of, Bhakti is like the common sense Alexander who just cut, cut, cut it through with the sword. Having Krishna come and slash the knot is, is a much easier process, um, you know, because it's not to just untie it. If you, um, there's no chance for it to be tied up again. You know? If you come and you cut the knot, it's not, you're not gonna be able to go and retie it again. And again, uh, and then, uh, so also all doubts, doubts that one will be successful on the path are, are destroyed as well. Doubts are you know, a big thing. One might have doubts about um, the philosophy or one's progress, but um, should never be doubtful that one will be successful. That's the very nature of bhakti. Um, so all doubts are 
are slashed. And what it is directly, drishta eva manishvare, one sees the Lord directly. There's different types, internal darshan, external darshan, um, but uh, the word atma can be translated in so many ways that Vishwanath comments that it means one's, you know, one's seeing the Lord in one's mind, like Brahma did at the dawn of creation, or or even a higher stage, which is given in the, in, we have Bhagavatam, it talks about seeing the spurti of the Lord outside, um, is, is considered to be an even higher stage. And then just the last final verse, text 22, Atovai kabayo nityam bhaktim paramaya muda vasudeve bhagavati kurvanti atma prasidim. So therefore, all transcendentalists have been rendering loving service with great delight to Lord Krishna, the personality of Godhead, from time immemorial, because such devotional service is alivening to the self. So it ends on this section ends on a very kind of high and positive point. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, thus the wise constantly perform bhakti to Lord Krishna with great joy, which gives joy to the mind. So with great joy, in sadhana bhakti, it said, it said there's no suffering in in devotion, this is kind of funny, but you know, there's no there's no suffering at any stage in sadhana, bhava, prema. It sure looks like there's suffering. Um, Mahaprabhu certainly looks like he's suffering, but that's of a totally di different nature. Gumarshi likes to quote the verse, "Bhaya Vishajalahai Dikareyanandamoy Krishna Prema Adhuta Adhuta Chari." That on the outside it looks like poison, but on the inside it's it's pure bliss. So reading this verse, it was kind of a nice nice point to end because it's kind of just like chant and be happy. <laughs> Bhakti should be a, a joyful process. Um, when Normally when people first meet the devotees, that's the first impression that comes you see. The devotees are singing and dancing and feasting and it's a, you know, beautiful colors and smells and sparkling jewelry and light. So it's, it's, it's a very joyful process. And um, this whole there's so much philosophy here, so many stages delineated, so much to know that we've just, you know, we've, we're, we're just touching on, but going through all these stages to get to the point where one can just chant and be happy. So you can't fake it. Um, you need to be able to, to, to back it up with some sturdy foundation, but still, bhakti is a very joyful process. And um, I hope that all the devotees are happy. <laughs> so uh, that's the end of this section. There's another section that ends the chapter and kind of transi transitions into the, the third uh, chapter of the first canto, which is all about the avatars and where we find another very famous verse, Krishna's two Bhagavan Sayam. So the next part of this chapter is kind of a, a bridge to the third chapter. Um, but we'll end there and I'll, I'll, I'll unmute you guys, I think, here. Um, I just apologize for the cow. Um, that was a little bit disruptive, but there are worse things. And I heard from from Padmana Maharaj that he was hoping that um, if anybody has any questions, that we would be able to save them, and and that um, you would go onto the Tatva Vivek on Facebook and ask your questions there, and then it could kind of like uh, develop into a further. Um, discussion for the larger community. But if someone's not on Facebook and they would like to ask a question now, um, I'd be happy to try and entertain it. Or I'd also just like to hear any uh, any comments or anything anybody would like to share or any corrections. Um, I think I've, un I've made it able so that you can just unmute yourself. 
Does any ha anybody have anything they would like to say? Okay, well, we'll end it there. I, I want to say that I would like to say that your classes are getting better each time. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. I was a little uh, frazzled and, and, and hot, actually, from chasing the cow. <laughs> you did a good job. Thank you very much. That's very, very um, kind of you to say. <laughs> Howdy, Bo. I'm going to Ryan's mom. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Happy birthday to Gordon Ryan. Okay, yeah, I'll tell him. <laughs> Is there anybody else who'd like to say something? Okay, well, we've gone over about 10 minutes. So thanks, guys, and um, have a great week. We'll see you next, next week. And if you have any questions that you'd like to post on Tatva Vivek on Facebook, please do. Pretty bold.